Sheesh. Pastor keeps a lot of stuff up here. Well, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Many years ago, my family and I gathered together to celebrate my grandma's 80th birthday. It was a great gathering of family and the community she lived in to celebrate that day. And I love big gatherings like that. There's excitement about the big event. I like being able to see a lot of different family and friends all at once. And usually you get to see family and friends that you don't otherwise see unless it's at these big gatherings. A few years later, we lost Grandma, and all of a sudden that big birthday party meant a lot more than it did before. It was the last big gathering at her house. It was one of the last times that side of my family was all together. The meaning and the memories of that celebration changed. It went deeper and had more significance. During the birthday party, I had no idea that would be the last time we would all be together there at Grandma's house. And I would have never dreamt that we only had one or two more gatherings as a full family ever. You know, we have common sayings for a reason, and one that comes to mind for me here is that hindsight is twenty-twenty. It suggests that we see things so much more clearly when looking back at something in the past, something that is behind us. Almost any time I look back at something from my past, it feels as though I understand things about those moments much differently today. Whether it's clarity that more life experiences has brought, or perhaps it's a powerful memory that I cherish more today than I did before. Either way, it's definitely different. I'll bet you could think of a dozen events in the past that mean more to you now than what they did at the time you were in them. A lot of those events are times of stress or difficulty. From simple day-to-day stress to more significant things. One example on the lighter side are road trips. Hanging out in a car for 21 hours with two kids under 10 seems rather stressful. And it is in those 22 hours you're together. Now I look back at that and see it as a road trip, a really fond memory of time together as a family. Though at the time, I was just anxious to get to where we were going and get the heck out of the car. Other, more significant events represent much greater, deeper challenges, often surrounding a loss, Loss of a job, loss of a home, loss of a loved one, or a marriage. These are an enormous struggle while walking through that season. And those events also tend to have a much greater impact on shaping your future self. When we come out stronger from those events and some time has passed, we might look back and see what was really happening on those days that we struggled and fought our way, especially those dark days. And what we realize is that we were growing into a new season of life, a little more travel-worn than before, but stronger, and with a new appreciation for parts of our life that we would not have had if we had not experienced those difficult things. This idea that life experience is a powerful influence on how we look back is really important for us to keep in mind today. Everything we're experiencing right now 
today is going to look different through our future eyes. One year from now, we'll have another year of life to apply as we look back on what happened in 2022. Today we celebrate Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem with palm branches laid out before him. The Old Testament book of Zechariah is referenced in the Gospels, quoting part of the prophecy. And here in John 12, verse 15, it says, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And right after this Old Testament verse reference, this verse caught my attention, verse 16. It says, These things his disciples, Jesus' disciples, did not understand at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. In one of my study Bibles, there's a footnote by this verse, and it says that the disciples didn't realize this event and its relationship to Zechariah's prophecy until after Jesus' death. And at that time, the disciples had gone back and studied Old Testament scripture in a way that they hadn't before. And this led them to a whole new understanding of everything they had experienced when they were walking alongside Jesus through those last few years leading up to his resurrection. Now that day in Jerusalem, something pretty amazing was happening right in front of them, but they didn't understand the fullness of what that entrance into Jerusalem really meant that day. Imagine what it was like for them. They had walked into areas with Jesus and large crowds many times. Not quite specifically like this. There were certainly things unique to this day than other biblical events, which of course is why it's set aside today as Palm Sunday. And as they walked along with the crowd that day, I wonder if they had any idea that 2,000 years later, we'd be setting aside a day to celebrate and recognize the events from these eight verses. There are a number of things on my heart this Palm Sunday. First is that we should be in a constant learning mode. And please don't misunderstand what I say that we should dwell on the past, because that's not it at all. Pastor Gary reminded us this last Wednesday at our final Lent service that God forgets our past sins. He sends them as far as the east is from the west. So we, we shouldn't spend energy dwelling on those, but we should be approaching each day with the heart of a student. We should be looking for ways to gain wisdom and knowledge. Jesus sets a great example by teaching and commanding us to go and teach others. This learn and teach is a theme throughout the New Testament. Paul writes about it several times, referencing learning and then teaching others. Here's some scripture from across the Bible. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Paul writes in his second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And then in John, chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus is saying, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What we learn today, it can reshape our understanding of the past and bring us new wisdom. The second part uh, that I'm thinking about today is that if we maintain the heart of a student every day, even if we get it right, 
we're not going to learn it all the first time through. Sometimes he puts something right in front of us that should be so plainly and painfully obvious, but we just don't get it. I can't help but think of math class. I'm not naturally gifted at math, and there are some topics that I would need explained to me a couple of times, preferably in different ways before I understood. Sometimes on different days, some days it was like my brain just didn't seem open to learning new math. But then that moment would finally arrive, and as we sometimes say it, clicked into place. You know these moments? There's sort of a fog in your brain suddenly lifts, and just like clear skies and sunshine after rain, there's a path forward that's very clear. There are several examples of this idea that plays out in the Gospels. The first I have is just a few verses further after Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. Um, Verses 27 through 29, Jesus is talking about his upcoming death. And he says, Now my soul has become troubled, and what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered, and others were saying an angel has spoken to him. I was reading this other day, and I was, felt like I was back in math class, like I had been missing something all this time I had looked at this story. I honestly can't remember a voice from heaven in the Gospels other than Jesus' baptism and transfiguration. And like the people standing there that claim they just heard thunder, for some reason this scripture just never seemed to stand out to me. But here it is, nestled into these few verses, and in a way in the shadow of the Palm Sunday story. And some of the people there that day literally heard a voice from heaven and pass it off as thunder. Now did they just literally not hear the voices? Maybe they heard it and in stubborn disbelief called it thunder? I'm not sure. The point remains, however, that not even a voice from heaven is plainly experienced by everyone. It makes me feel better on the one hand when I just completely miss things that are important that are right in front of me. On the other hand, I'm a bit uncomfortable knowing that my broken humanity ensures that I'm going to miss important things and that others sitting right next to me won't. It's a tough pill to swallow for me, just openly acknowledging that I have, am continuing to, and will forever be oblivious to things right in front of me, at least for a while. Now, some people in this passage heard the voice and acknowledged it. Back in John chapter 10, verses 19 through 21, it says, A division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Him is Jesus. Jesus has just been teaching. Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon-possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? It says the crowd of Jews was divided again, as they had been before at Jesus' teaching. Some believed him and others did not. Back in chapter 7, Jesus was teaching at the temple during the Jewish Feast of the Booths, another division of the crowd that had heard him teach there. 
in uh, chapter 7, beginning with verse 40, it says, Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, This is the Christ. And still others were saying, Surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. A division occurred. These are just a few examples, but it's not uncommon to Jesus' teaching, this reaction. Scripture specifies quite a few times either these mixed reactions and different perspectives afterwards, or it calls out specifically that those hearing Jesus did not and would not understand until later. And many times that lack of understanding is the fulfillment of prophecy that said people would not understand him. I have a large project that's getting started where I work. And at this stage of this kind of project, there's a lot of talking with other people. Lots of big meetings, emails, and smaller meetings, groups of two or three. And a pretty common pattern is that this larger group will get together and discuss big decisions that will impact everyone involved in the project. And based on those decisions and what's agreed on in that larger discussion, we'll break off into smaller groups, smaller teams, and carry out whatever those decisions were. Now, once we've moved out of that larger group and bring that decision back to the smaller group so that we can start moving on it, it's amazing how many times that what I heard is so very different from what a coworker heard. And when we come together in that smaller group to carry out whatever decision was made, we're suddenly a bit lost and confused because both of us feel as though we had heard and understood clearly, but we ended up with very different, clear understandings of the same source material. The best way I've found to combat this confusion is to ask questions and really seek to understand as thoroughly as possible. When Pastor Gary walks us through the amazing things he learns and finds in Scripture, he reminds us to keep digging in a layer deeper than just reading over the words in our Bible one time. And it reminds me of me raising my hand in those large group meetings, asking a few questions so that I can deepen my understanding of what I'm being asked to go do. And that deeper understanding will translate to a better outcome and a less confusing experience. Likewise, when I read scripture, then read it again, then maybe look up some cross-reference verses or check out some commentaries that provide some additional insights, or get together with a like-minded believer that wants to study alongside of me, and we can bounce ideas and thoughts off of one another. The end result is a better understanding of what God is saying to me across his word. It leads me to living out his teaching better, and it leads to glorifying our Heavenly Father. And that's the third and final aspect of this scripture on my heart this morning. God's timing is such that he uses these events and experiences we have to glorify him. Here's a key phrase from back in John chapter 12 in verse 16, right in that Palm Sunday story. These things his disciples did not understand at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things were written of him 
and that they had done these things to him. Now, I don't know if every single minute thing that happens to us is for the purpose of glorifying God, but I do know that God's glory is revealed in us. We are in the midst, when we are in the midst, of some really messy, ugly, difficult times. The knowledge that God will reveal in us, reveal his glory in us, serves as a comfort. It's something we can cling to and help us persevere through those hard times. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 17, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We share in his sufferings today so that we can share in his glory. And his glory is not even worth comparing to our sufferings. His glory is going to be so much more powerful than what we're suffering today. But it's so hard to feel that. There are days when it feels like you're clawing your way through heavy emotions or stress or anxiety. And the thought of any glory seems so far off and distant that it feels impossible that you could get from where you are there to that place in the future. After hearing the voice from heaven, after coming into Jerusalem, that voice that said, I have glorified it, referring to God's name, and will glorify it again. Jesus responds to the crowd in verse 30. It says, Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for your sakes. We know from our own experience and from God's own words that Sometimes in the future, we'll look back on the events of today and we'll see things completely different. The disciples looked back on Palm Sunday after Christ was glorified and saw what was really happening. They knew after, after the fact that the week that had started with triumph was going to get really difficult and dark a few days later. And we'll be walking that journey this holy week. But then a week from now, the glory that was revealed in Jesus' resurrection outshone by far the difficult path to get there. Really comforting words in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope a future, and a hope. Exactly what God has in store for each of us. It doesn't matter today if it's a math problem we can't wrap our heads around or a significant loss that's shaking up our entire world. Whatever you carried in here with you this morning, I'm telling you the truth. God has plans for you. There is hope. You are not alone. You have brothers and sisters that have suffered and some that are suffering alongside of you. Walk out of here today knowing and confident that in due time, just as he did for Jesus, Jesus' disciples, and will for you, on the other end of our suffering, God will reveal his glory in us. Amen.
Please stand.